0: This podcast is supported by an educational grant by Bosch Health, made available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program.
1: Theoretically, you would not want to give the vaccine within two weeks of having an injection of a biologic, but that's more of a theoretical risk. I think the risk of having COVID is far greater. And, and, and what's the risk? You have a slightly less immune response to, to the vaccine, but you'll still likely have an immune response.
0: That's Patrick Fleming, the assistant professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at the Lind Institute of Dermatology. During the pandemic, Patrick's been working with our COVID centre at Women's College Hospital, and today he's taking some time out to join us for this interview. I'm your host, Kirk Barber. I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and I'm a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Calgary. Today, we're discussing a very topical um, article from our November-December issue where Patrick and his co-authors are writing about uh, COVID and the use of biologics in patients with psoriasis. So without further ado, here's my interview with Patrick. Welcome back, Patrick. It's happy to see you. I know you're one of the... Donors and doffers seriously involved in the COVID world, and for that, you know, the rest of us thank you. So uh, I'm really happy to to have you back for another interview with me on this article you wrote.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Okay. Well, listen, um, you wrote a review article now in our November-December issue entitled "Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus Two and the Use of Biologics in Patients with Psoriasis," and I'm going to assume you wrote this when we really we're in the infancy of understanding this. And now we've had this real sort of, I call it a fire hose of information at us and trying to sort it all out. So give me some perspective now that you've, this is, you've written it, it's gelled and, and now you're really in the midst of it.
1: I think when I wrote this with, um, with Matthew, who's a medical student, we didn't know that much about COVID and biologics and immunosuppressives back in the spring. We don't know that much now, to be honest, but I think our comfort level has gotten a lot higher now that we know the virus a lot better.
0: But when I read your article, and it's great to go through each individual therapeutic option we've got as to the the plausible mechanisms of the reasons that you you might want to or you might not want to, we're still in the same place. I mean, it is virtually, these are incredibly safe medicines.
1: Incredibly safe. And I would say there's probably a I'm a higher risk to stopping the medicines in many cases than it is to um, continuing them. I know we probably all had patients who, you know, I've had several patients who had COVID were on biologics for severe disease. They were stopped and not resumed in a timely manner. And I had at least two I can think of who were erythrodermic with such bad psoriatic arthritis, they were in a wheelchair. And we had to get them back on drug ASAP. nobody would would resume the drug for them even months after having COVID because they were worried about the implications.
0: Okay, so the message is when you have disease, we treat it like any other acute infectious illness, you stop your biologic. Yes. But, you know, restart when you're 10 days out and symptom-free of fever for a couple of days?
1: I would suggest exactly wait until maybe a week and a half, two weeks after. If you have no fever, you're feeling fine. I think uh, I would have a conversation with the patient and go over the pros and cons of stopping, uh, restarting at that point versus waiting a little while. But I would encourage to get back on drugs sooner rather than later. Uh, we know with some biologics, there is a, a loss of efficacy if it's they're kept off the drug for a while. Others, it's less of an issue. But I would worry about, you know, if you have a person with a very bad psoriasis, clear on a drug and you stop it, they often can reflare a few weeks or a month or two afterwards.
0: Are there any cons to that restart? I mean, should we be almost adamant, get back on your drug because if your psoriasis flares, we may have trouble and we'll learn that much faster that you're not going to recapture and we got to get you started on something else.
1: Yeah, I I think the main risk of going back on the drug shortly after being ill is a theoretical risk of potentially having latent virus somewhere that you reactivate. That's not really been demonstrated with most of the biologics uh, when it comes to COVID from the rheumatology literature. Um, and, and I think the main risk is that their disease gets worse and they have a worse quality of life.
0: All right, so um, the TNFs seem like they we have the most information because we share that with multiple other disciplines, and as, as individual treatment agents, they're the ones where we have the greatest fear of uh, loss of efficacy. Yes. Those would be the ones, though, that we would be quickest to get people back on,
1: would you think? Probably. Uh, I, I would suggest any of the agents, if the patient's feeling better, they're afebrile, they're doing okay, it, it'd be reasonable to restart their biologic after having that kind of good discussion with them over the pros and cons of it. And I, we do have a lot more uh, insight now, at, at least in terms of some small case series out of Italy from their experience back in the spring that, you know, your patients with pretty bad HS who got COVID-19 while being on TNF inhibitors, Typically, didn't have any more severe disease compared to their peers.
0: All right. Well, it seems like we can we can manage this pretty simply now. And with mm-hmm. with although we the evidence isn't well, I guess yeah you know, we have some of the articles you quote have two and three four five thousand patients. I mean that, yes, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a big number. So we so we've yeah. got some backup. Yes. So we can manage it just almost glibly in many respects uh, can't we
1: now mm-hmm. versus a uh, march a year ago when we were all
0: worried really worried about what we were doing to people
1: exactly i i think now i'm a lot more confident with starting biologics than i was back in the spring and uh, maintaining them as well i think back in the spring we're all talking about not doing any new starts for biologics or other immunosuppressive agents and um, in, in many cases wondering whether we should be stopping those uh, prophylactically.
0: Now, uh, I recognize that your article doesn't address methotrexate, but a common drug in our armamentarium. What do you think? Same sort of drill with the methotrexate?
1: I, I think it's a bit more immunosuppressive than some of the biologics can be. And, and I would worry a little bit more about methotrexate in severe illness, uh, in particular because patients with very severe COVID often get. A liver involvement and methotrexate is a panatoxic. So, I, I will be a little bit um, more likely to stop methotrexate and maybe be a bit more cautious of resuming it.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, someone is on methotrexate, gets infected, has their COVID, yeah. has their event mm-hmm. for all practical purposes, is well. Okay. So, yeah. no fever, no other symptoms. Should I restart the methotrexate in the same sort of time frame, symptom free, or are you thinking you might want to wait? Or, or there are there other variables such as age and that sort of thing?
1: I think age is a factor, but I would probably want to get a new set of blood work before I start out, just in case I did have any transaminitis, which which is pretty common with um, with more severe cases of COVID.
0: Okay, so do your pre methotrexate workup uh, before you restart? Exactly. Okay. And what about, again, uh, cyclosporin?
1: Same thing. So I, I'd be uh, cautious with resuming it. Um, there was a very interesting study done that looked at in vitro cyclosporin actually inhibiting um, SARS-CoV-2 replication. Now, I would never presume to assume that that would be helpful, but there was kind of this sort of a, a hint in this um, article that maybe it wasn't as dangerous as, as we thought it would be. But uh, as you know, a lot of these in vitro studies never really pan out in real life,
0: and um, just so I don't miss anything, what about Otesla? Uh,
1: oh, amp- oh. I, I would have less concern about Otesla. I, I consider it more immunomodulatory as opposed to being suppressive. But we do know from the trials that there was a higher risk of nasopharyngitis mm-hmm. in patients on drug. So consider it like a
0: biologic, if you will.
1: Exactly. Or is
0: this restart is concerned? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was really helpful. Now, let's, again, veer off for a second and get your expertise on the vaccination story. Um, Again, it appears that the vaccination story is almost as simple as the staying on drug story. Um, So, with the exception, and I'll I'll bug you about methotrexate and cyclosporine in a minute too, but tell me about biologics and the COVID vaccination, because My phone lines have exploded, like I'm sure yours have, as people get access to this. And I've not had my vaccination yet, but I do understand that people are being told not to get any injections within 28 days. Yes. Okay. And I think people are confusing. I think it's immunizations that people shouldn't get within 28 days. They can receive other injections.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah and and I think theoretically you would not want to give the vaccine within 2 weeks of having a injection of a biologic but that's more of a theoretical risk I think the risk of having covid is far greater and 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 what's the risk you have a slightly less immune response to to the vaccine but you'll still likely have an immune response
0: so the advice I've been giving the patients is the advice that I'm hearing is when you get asked to make an appointment to get your vaccination Get your vaccination. Exactly. Don't worry about the injection of your biologic later if we worry about it at all.
1: Exactly. Get whatever vaccine you can as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now just let me steer you back into methotrexate now. My thinking with methotrexate is don't use it for two weeks after you have your you get your injection. There's a little bit of chit chat about whether or not you should stop it a couple weeks before. Mm -hmm. But if you stop it a couple weeks before and a couple weeks after by the time you get around to your second dose, you're off therapy again. So exactly, probably, yeah, it, it's going to work out. Dude, you'll be six weeks without your mm-hmm. without your therapy.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on what's happening in the country with their vaccine dose timing as well. As you're probably aware, the national recommendation is to delay the dose by up to four months for some individuals. So if you're going to be getting your second dose four months later, it's probably less of a big deal to do that. If you're getting it on schedule, then you're going to be off drug for a few months. And as you know, if you have really bad psoriasis, if you come up with the trexate, people do get rebound disease sometimes. Not commonly, but it can be quite serious if it does happen.
0: Well, in Alberta, after a certain date, we're all waiting for months. Yes. So it's it's the norm here mm-hmm. uh, in, in this province. So
1: Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, that four-month interval is not based on any real-world data either. It's based on expert opinion from the National Committee.
0: Right. And trying to get as many people vaccinated as is possible yeah. in, in the shortest amount of the time.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I think they're trying to balance out, you know, from what I can read, the good of the population. And I think we know that all the vaccines are incredibly effective, even within a few weeks of one dose. So if you can get double the number of people vaccinated, it's going to be great for the country.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe someday you and I will be able to have this conversation. Uh, when we do your fifth yes. podcast, we'll be able to do it uh, side by each and uh, ditch the virtual stuff. It'll be, be a very different and more, more pleasant experience, I'm sure. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I think this was a very nice overview of, of where we're at today. Things that we thought were really complicated are still complicated in some respects, by theory, but in practice, relatively simple and simple advice and guidance.
1: Yeah. And I think the best advice is, you know, the best vaccine you can get is the first one you can get.
0: All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thanks again for helping us out. Thank you. That's Dr. Patrick Fleming, an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at the Lind Institute for Dermatology. Well, that's it for another episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. Hope you enjoyed your time once again. Just a reminder, these articles are without a paywall on our journal site for three weeks after the podcast is posted. So I encourage you to read the article as well. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with your colleagues on social media. So I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, be good to each other.